0: the deadpool is the fifth and final film in the dirty harry franchise there's a slew of recognizable actors and another serial killer to stop but all you really need to know is that this movie has the greatest car chase in cinema history Welcome everyone to The Collector's Cut. I am Peter and
1: joining me as always is David. You know, I think teaming up with a Scottish podcast man is a good image for the channel.
0: (laughs) Very good, very good. Uh, This is a movie podcast. We work our way through movie franchises and uh, themes and maybe like an actor's filmography, something like that. We're working through the Dirty Harry franchise. This is the final film in the Dirty Harry franchise. It is the Deadpool. Uh, not to be confused with the superhero Marvel movie starring Ryan Reynolds, which I'm <laughs> sure is a problem that this movie has now, is that no one thinks of this when people say Deadpool. But, uh... Which is
1: strange because I think, it's been a while since I watched it, but I think that in Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool movie, they mention this movie as the inspiration for the character's name. So... Did I mention them? I definitely remember
0: them having a Deadpool. I don't remember them mentioning the movie. You may be be right. I've only seen it once, so I can't can't remember, but, (laughs) you know, it's funny. It is funny that the the, the name does come from the same idea as Mm -hmm. the Deadpool, which is taking bets on who's going to die next, effectively. Uh, So, yeah, we'll start spoiler-free, as we always do. Obviously, there may be some spoilers for the previous movies, just in, even in the, the first section, because it's just kind of natural to have to maybe bring some of that stuff in. Not that this really ties back into uh, the previous movies that much anyway, but... No. uh Yeah, so this came out in
1: 1988, so this is five years after the fourth movie? Yep, five years after the fourth movie, and I believe we're at, like, 17 years since we started. Uh, that is, That sounds right, and... Clint Eastwood at this point is
0: now fifty eight. He is two yeah. years away from being sixty at this point in the movie. Uh which I, I note because I was curious. Patricia Clarkson's in this movie and she's kind of a love interest. And I was yeah. and I and I think of her as being old because she is like older compared to me, but I'm like, this is nineteen eighty eight. What age is she here? And I look her up. She's uh twenty nine uh, yeah, when this movie came out. She's just shy of thirty. So she's just shy of she, she's literally half his age. She's yeah. she's actually half his age, which, you know, is is a Hollywood thing, but it's, just, it's funny to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, not to spoil anything too much, but to the movie's credit, they don't, I don't think, ever get really physical
0: on, on screen. On screen, though. It's implied no. that it happens off screen, but yeah, you, you don't yeah. ever really see too much on screen. Um, Some something at least. Yeah. It, it's funny, though, because my perception of her is an older woman, because just of what she is relative to me, it didn't feel weird in the movie, but then when I thought about it, I went, wait, wait, is she actually in this movie? So, oh, she's not even
1: 30 yet. <laughs> oh, my jeez I mean, that's been a problem I've had with uh, Clint with this entire franchise, is that, in my mind, he's still, like, million-dollar baby age. Oh, sure. <laughs> at, like, the whole way through. He's, a, he's an old man.
0: Uh, yep. He kind of is an old man in this one, a little bit. Oh, he's he, He's at that point, though, where he's sort of switching into old man territory. But, uh, yeah, so... We 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 have this movie. The first thing that I actually want to say about it, bizarrely, and you know, uh, I I don't know how you feel about me talk about aspect ratios, but uh, nope. this is the only movie in the franchise <laughs> that is a different aspect ratio. All of them up until this point have been the wider, you know, two point four oh to one, uh, you know, the cinematic aspect ratio. This one is one eight five, which is close to sixteen by nine. Right? There's there's little tiny black bars technically on a widescreen TV, mm-hmm. but. Sometimes they'll just overscan them and you won't see them. It doesn't really matter. Uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing per se. Like You know, you may have a personal preference. Uh, it stuck out to me, though, because I was like, every single movie in this franchise has had this same wide cinematic look to it, and this mm-hmm. one doesn't. And it's not necessarily that this is a worse ratio. It's purely down to taste. But it did kind of make me feel like there's a lack of care about making the consistency. So it feels yeah. like a downgrade in that sense where... You know, like oh, we don't care about this feeling like it's the same quality of movie anymore. And that's not the only thing in the movie that feels that way. But it, it yeah, definitely for sure. You know, I just it was just the first little sign I was like, oh, this feels
1: that like you don't care as much. <laughs> right? I mean, I to be fair, I've been switching between like three different screens watching this franchise mm-hmm. as a whole. So I didn't notice that it was a different aspect ratio, to be honest. But yeah, it it if if it is as you're saying, not quite as cinematic. That is something that carries over to the entire rest of the film, just yes. through other choices made. Oh, the
0: plot, yeah. the 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 villain, all of it feels like oh, this is a villain from an episode of a TV show, as opposed mm-hmm. to the villain in a major movie kind of thing.
1: There's a lot. Yeah, of that I, feel to I mean, it. I could fully see this being the backdoor pilot or like the TV movie that starts yeah. off Dirty Harry coming on after Columbo, which which is a
0: uh you know kind of a indictment of the movie a little bit this this feels like it could be a tv movie it just happens to have clint eastwood in it and if it wasn't for that and there's some other names in it but the names that are in it are all not big yet they're not famous yet right so no
1: but it's so weird to see them here i
0: know it is so you've got a young jim carrey who's credited as james carrey which i noticed that threw me off uh uh, much like uh, Larry Fishburne in Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three: The Dream Warriors, <laughs> uh, you've got Patricia Clarkson, who's the love. Of, I don't know. If, I don't know if she was big. yet. I, I really don't know what her career path was. But I, I'm sure she had at least a few films under. Yeah. Uh, uh, Liam Neeson is in here, and this is before Darkman, which is kind of what I think of his first big movie as, which is obviously yeah. before Schindler's List, which obviously is his big, you know, you know, uh, acclaimed performance. Right. So mm. uh, this is early. Liam Neeson and it's early Jim Carrey and then possibly (laughs) early uh, Patricia Clarkson. So you've got a lot of like, this has easily got the most recognisable
1: faces in terms of a modern Hollywood context in it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was going into this movie and, you know, opening credits come up. Honestly, we'd talked before about Jim Carrey being in it, so I was like, oh I can't wait for him to show up. But I knew he was a smaller role, so I wasn't looking for him Mm. in the credits or anything. But then I saw Liam Neeson's name pop up. And I was like, we haven't talked about it. I didn't even realize he was in this. And I was waiting to see where he would be. And he ends up being a producer character. And it's interesting. I, I'm i pretty sure he's Irish, correct? Yeah, he's from Northern Ireland, I believe. Right. I couldn't tell if that was his normal accent he was putting on the whole time or if he was going more British.
0: I think he was trying to do an English accent because yeah. when someone mimics his voice, they just do an
1: English accent as well. And I... I remind me when we get to the Mimbicus his voice part because i have problems with that but (laughs) but uh yeah no it was it was strange just to see because like you said dark man like that sort of grimy gritty like liam neeson almost action star is just the way i have him in my mind and to see him here is just like you know playing second banana to a guy who's about to get his social security check it's just like (laughs) okay that's Different, well, the irony being
0: that Liam Neeson is now an action star who's on a social security check. <laughs> yeah, fair. he's kind of became, the times are changing. He's became the Clint Eastwood in a lot of ways uh, yeah. of, of the modern movie world. I'm just curious what age uh, he was at this time. So he's older than uh, Clarkson. He he was born in '52, so he's uh, mm. and he's like mid thirties. Yeah, 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 he's about thirty six. Uh, yeah, round right
1: about. And so, I mean it, that's what his character is too. It's not Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He's, he's, not, he's not miscast in his in his role. He's a, he's a he's a movie director who like makes horror movies. That's kind of his character. Mm-hmm. Uh so we'll get into kind of how he fits into the But he's he's a relatively prominent role. He, he recurs Did throughout he? the movie. Um mm-hmm. as does Clarkson. It's just Jim Carrey's the only one who's kind of
1: here for a couple of scenes and then he's gone uh yeah. type of character. But dear lord, does he steal those couple scenes?
0: That is true. He's he's also very... Like even though <sighs> Jim Carrey as a persona doesn't exist yet. Like, mm-hmm. the way he moves his mouth and he does, like, a lip-syncing yeah. scene, I'm like, okay, he's still Jim... I can see Jim Carrey here. Like, yeah. not just not just because he's physically Jim Carrey, but the way he's, like, putting the
1: faces on, I'm like, that's Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. That's the guy who's now, about to be Ace Ventura in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, Jim Carrey had a lot of small roles before he really did hit it big. He didn't just sure, get yeah, yeah. big all of a sudden. So he's been around up before this point. But, yeah, no, as soon as... As soon as that lip-sync scene started, and he, he's just, like, opening his mouth, and it just keeps going, I was like, yep, there he is. And he's doing these head the movements,
0: you know? And I'm like, yep. yeah, that's, that's it's very, like, okay. That, that's is still... Despite the fact that he's in a Dirty Harry movie, despite the fact that he's a main role, he's still being Jim Carrey. Yep. And that's, exactly. you know, it's, it's notable. So... Uh, yeah, you got some recognizable faces. Harry gets a new partner. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, the plot. We'll talk about all the things this movie has to offer. Uh, and we'll give you spoiler warning before we get to the spoilers. But yes, as always, uh, we'll start with the simple question. David, did you enjoy Dirty Harry Part 5,
1: The oh. Deadpool? Did I enjoy it? Well, based <laughs> off of the wording of that question, yes. I did enjoy <gasps> this movie. But it's not because of the reasons that I enjoyed, like, the first Dirty. This is so far removed from Dirty Harry. This is so far, like, there's all of, like, the theming we've talked about in previous installations of this. Of, like, mm, here's Harry dealing with the morality of X, Y, and Z. Out the window. It's all Doesn't gone. matter. Yeah, so it's, it's all... The, the it... only... Because like, we have complained in the sequels that
0: it doesn't really... <sighs> say anything necessarily but at least it's bringing in themes that it feels like harry should be thrown up against right this one doesn't even have that the only thing you could maybe say is slightly there is the idea of like harry dealing with like uh, a relationship with the media and like yeah has public persona it's
1: it's nothing about his ethics on it it's literally about how the uh, reporters ethics are but with all that said this movie just goes 211 on the corny campiness of it like of how stupidly silly all of this is and it it circles back <laughs> to just being a dumb fun like so, action so, flick. So, my, my thing is is that i do think it feels lower stakes
0: uh, hmm. than the previous movies i think the climax feels like given how good the entrance was to the climax of the last movie this one feels so tv like level oh, absolutely. it just it feels so low key I would say this movie is by far the least interesting and kind of the most dull, to a point. Okay. For a lot of it. I will say, though, that once you get just over an hour in, the best car chase in cinematic history exactly. happens. And
1: it kind of won me over a little bit in the silly sort of stakes. Yeah. Which... I mean, if I, if I went into this with the snobby, like, critic glasses and <laughs> looking at it through those lens, yeah, no, I'd hate this movie. But at, like, probably about an hour in, I was just like, okay, you're not even trying to do that, so I'm just going to look yeah. at it through the lens of the same way you'd look at, like, any other 80s action film of, like, yeah, is this just stupid fun? Yeah, which I think is kind of weird, though, because Dirty Harry wasn't
0: that to start with, and that's kind of... oh yeah that's kind of a problem and, and 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 just in terms of like shifting your brain over to it i think another mm-hmm. franchise that we're definitely going to do at some point that did this was rambo right so first blood mm-hmm. is this like serious movie about this guy who comes back from vietnam and has psychological trauma and how people treat him and what he's working and it's, it's a like first blood's a genuinely great little movie about this right. troubled character and then Someone said, Yeah, but people like Sylvester Stallone in that mm-hmm. outfit. Can we do just an action movie? And, you know, Jim's Ca- Jim Cameron comes along and says, I- I'll write a sequel that's, you know, yeah. more of a. <laughs> and he didn't direct it. He went off to do Aliens instead, which, by the way, the, the right choice. Like, that was the right choice to oh, pick sure. for directing. But you have, like, these silly sequels. And then Stallone himself tried to bring it back with Rambo 4, which was mm-hmm. the-, the 2008 one. And then I've not even seen the fifth one yet. It's meant to be bad. Uh, But that'll be something for us to discover when we get there, is what that fifth one's like. But I think that kind of went through that phase where it was like, it's turning from a real prestigious movie that actually has something to say and is like the serious work of art. And that sounds a bit pretentious, Mm -hmm. but it is. It's a serious work of art. Yeah, Uh, I think the first Dirty Harry is an actual film. It's it's not just a movie, it's a film, to to, to use the the wording. And then the sequels are kind of trying to like cling to it a little bit but they're also being sillier this one it's just like you, you get to some of the stuff later on in this movie and it's like no you're not even uh even how harry ultimately beats the bad guy i laughed out loud
1: when he walked into the shot holding what he was holding oh so, god it was beautiful uh yeah no i think that's just something that happens to a lot of those sort of movies the one that jumps into my mind was Sam mendes's jarhead okay where it was a movie that was basically just like a condemnation of this specific war. And it was just how the soldiers were just basically being tasked to fight a war that, like, none of them were actually doing anything in. They were just being trained to do this. And then all the sequels came out. And they're like, soldiers fight, right? Everybody's going to fight now. We're just go- It's just action. Whereas the first movie had something to say. The only thing that the producers of the sequels got was guns shoot things so let's keep doing that. I do not think I was aware that there was sequels to Jarhead. There were like four sequels to <laughs>
0: Jarhead. I'm assuming the directed video. Yes. yes okay, sir. right, because I, I I do not have any recollection. I mean, I've never seen Jarhead anyway, but I definitely did not know there were sequels. Exa- but, you know, I'd seen the first movie be advertised. I saw the first movie getting some prestige or, you know, yeah, there, there, exactly. was, there was
1: noise around it. I did not know there were sequels. But that's where that's why I think the Dirty Hair franchise is actually a bit interesting, because it took like four films to get to the point where all these other ones are doing it in the second film. It's it's it managed to hold on to a little bit more of what it was. But in the end, by the time we hit this film, it does just go full like, nah, we're not saying anything. We're just we're just here for the fun. Yeah. Um And maybe there's a cultural thing there as well. The idea that this started
0: in the early seventies when the counterculture was a big thing. But then when you get to the 80s, it kind of shifts a little bit, you know, the, the climate, particularly in the US with, with you know, uh, Reagan and stuff. And...
1: I mean, if I really want to put on the overanalyzing glasses, mm. this whole movie does revolve around how media tends to overdo the, you know, death and destruction sort of angle. So yeah. the movie itself could just be a response to that, where it's like, nobody wants to sit here and hear the introspective thoughts of a cop who's too old for the system anymore we just want to see the death and destruction so
0: yeah i suppose in that sense it could have almost turned into you know under, under you know another draft of the script with someone who wanted to actually say something about that topic could take it and turn it into oh this is an analysis of how we view violence in cinema and mm. you know but I, it, it doesn't say anything <laughs> no it says nothing. <laughs> it says nothing it says nothing of value um director this is buddy von horn or, sorry, Buddy mm-hmm. Van Horn, uh, who I've never heard of. So let's just see if he's made anything else of note. Oh, he did High Plains Drifter. Oh, no, wait, no. He was a
1: stuntman in that. Hold on. Uh, well, stunt stuntman being director is always a good sign. He did stunts
0: for In the Lane of Fire, which is another Eastwood movie as well, uh, along mm-hmm. with High Plains right He's only got three directing credits. He did Any Which Way You Can. Is that also an Eastwood movie? I
1: believe it is. Yeah. I think, like he's, I think he's just teaming up with Eastwood for his entire...
0: Right, so he Don't did the Deadpool, bit. and then the year after Deadpool, he did Pink Cadillac. I'm just going to click Which on is, it. It's, it's Eastwood. Also, Eastwood. Yes. So this guy <laughs> has done stunts for Eastwood movies and then directed three East, like lower just, stakes Eastwood movies.
1: Quick question Has anyone ever seen this guy and Eastwood in the same room?
0: <laughs> That's a very good point. Oh, this dude only just died last year. He lived to 92 years old. Good on him. Yeah, he had a good run. Uh, yeah. but Eastwood outlasted him. <laughs> Like, he actually is older. I think Eastwood's, like, 98. Oh, no, he's 92 this year. So no, yeah. he's 92 as well. So as long as he makes it to 93, he'll actually have yep. done another year on this guy, which is kind of funny. He's hoping. Uh, so, uh, like, yeah, so, so you've got this plot where there's a murderer killing people who all happen to be on this list, this Deadpool list, that the director, producer, and, like, another couple of people in this film project... Have all just taken an innocent little pool whereas oh this guess who's gonna die next. I do think this game is a bit silly because I'm like, unless someone does start murdering them, like you may be waiting for a long time for these results to come in. Well no,
1: no, no, they they did specifically say the rules to it was that you make a list of names that you think will be dead by a certain date, and then whoever has the most correct names wins. Because some of them, like, I,
0: I get why, because Jim Carrey's actor character, he's, like, a, a heroin addict, so I get why you think he might go quick. But, right. like, like the film critic character who gets murdered at one point, like, like there was nothing about her that felt like she was in danger.
1: <laughs> yeah, that part of it, like, there's a couple people in there, and it's all people who kind of relate to uh, Liam Neeson's character. I believe it was Peter North was... Swan. Peter, Swan. Peter, Peter Swan. Swan. Peter Someone North, Swan. I'm pretty
0: sure is a porn star. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Um, so I don't know where you pulled that from, David. But, I don't know uh... where I did either. It's somewhere on my notes here. <laughs> oh yes, return to Blockbuster. There it is. Uh, <laughs> no, the the um Peter Swan's character. I I do feel like you say it's an innocent enough little game, but I also feel like he definitely picked names of people that he doesn't like. like. Yeah, just doesn't like, which does make it a little bit. It's the same sort of thing of like, you know writing a like a little fan fiction where like your bully in school is horribly maimed or something like that it's like technically harmless but at the same time very grim yeah uh then the movie starts with
0: uh like you know domi- like pre- actually it's presumably it's uh neeson's character swan who's watching the news and hears mm-hmm. that this guy's going to prison and the, the news reporters keep saying Inspector Harley Callahan's the man behind this. he's the one to put him away. And he writes down him as the eighth name in the list because, like, oh, they're probably gonna try and kill him now. Which honestly, as far as your logic goes for why someone might die soon, mm-hmm. yeah, fair enough, right? Um And let's be fair. The last movie we saw, Harry, there was like five assassination attempts over the course of one movie from at least yeah. three different parties, which fair enough the first time we see harry in this movie
1: was the very first thing that happens to him there's an assassination attempt just randomly it i mean it's the guys that he literally thought he was going to be killed by so fair enough but at the same point yeah no this it's the entire movie it gets to the point where about halfway through harry has to literally put in a plan to stop being assassinated yes like it's just constantly happening so that's how the movie kicks off um I do want to point out that in that opening scene, uh, they specifically show the ponytail that Liam Neeson's character has, mm-hmm. and they use that as a misdirect throughout the entire film. There's a few like, points,
0: not even just like, see? not even just the red herrings for who the killer is. There's actually at one point when we get to the the random action scene. At one point, uh, there's a blonde guy with a really really sad looking rat's tail uh, <laughs> behind. He's got like a shaved head except the rat's tail, and it just. Well, I say, well, not shaved, but like a a buzz cut kind of, like, you know, Mm -hmm. he's he's got a bit of hair, but it's all short hair, but then he's got this really thin rat's tail at the back, and I'm like, damn, 1988 was a rough year for uh, haircuts. so this movie's end to go by. Uh, So, no, so the uh, the opening big thing, what struck me out about it is, and this goes to what you were saying about how they've given up pretending that this is anything other than just dumb fun, is, Mm. so we're still spoiler free i don't think it's too, too spoiler to just talk about this opening scene so yeah th- harry's just driving it's night at san francisco and this car pulls up behind him and i think the first line harry has in the movie is like uh stare at my ass because this car is driving up behind him and the car pulls mm-hmm. up in front of him the three guys get out they pull out machine guns and just start firing and yep. we get you know harry's car like you know flips and lands on its side and what got me about this, and the first moment I sort of laughed, was Harry like pops out. So, so the car's on its side. So the 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 side window's sort of facing up the way. He pops out of that with his Magnum and just shoots two of the guys instantly. But when he does it, the music that plays was not a bit very different from either uh, the the previous movies. Yeah, it was very like heroic and ha- it was like, hey, our hero's here and he's killing the bad guys. Everyone cheer! Like that's what it felt yeah. like. Yeah. Um. And to to I, the franchise's credit, up until now, it's not done that. The music's always been more, like,
1: you know, thriller, badass, kind of somber, yeah. whatever, you know? I mean, I've occasionally chimed in with my issues of musical choice, but this movie, I mean, the opening sequence has always been at least a little bit jazzy. Yeah. But this one was just full-on, like, nope, we're in the 80s now, Miami Vice, just play yep. that, who cares? Uh, and I, I think it continues on with those interesting yet pretty predictable choices the whole way through
0: so you've got this heroic music playing because this is harry he's our hero and he's just shot two bad guys the third guy's gun jams so he actually puts his gun down and runs away and can i just like under no circumstance is there anything heroic about harry shooting a man in the back
1: who's running away scared right (laughs) like (laughs) he's a bad guy pete it... All bad guys deserve to be shot. Did you not watch <laughs> the rest of Dirty Hair? Clearly, that's the me- message we were getting at the whole time. I'm just,
0: like... He shows someone in the back who's running away from him. And I get that he was shooting him a minute ago, but clearly now, there's no threat of being fired upon. So, th- yeah. this is... This is the most unjustworthy cause of a police shooting I have I, I've seen in these movies. And this movie's had a few dodgy ones. Oh yeah, for oh, sure. <laughs> but this guy's trying And all I could think was, if they actually do the forensics, like they can tell which direction the bullet came from. They're going to know he
1: was running away. <laughs> well, Harry, the prints for this guy are on that gun. He is 50 feet away and he was shot twice in the back. You want to try to explain that one? Yeah, I, I just I, I couldn't help but laugh. This
0: was this yeah. this set me off in the mood uh, for this movie was was this yeah. opening scene, um, and immediately there's actually a lot of little things here that it feels like it repeats stuff from the previous movies because like almost the very next scene is the captain or whoever grilling him out because it's co- it's going to cost thirteen yeah. thousand dollars to replace this car and I'm like, wasn't this an exact line of dialogue in the previous movie? <laughs> yeah, it's a little cheaper actually. Yeah. Well, I think the last time it was the car plus all the store windows and shit. This time yeah, it was just the car.
1: Fair. Just so, the car, who cares?
0: So the car's more expensive now on its own, perhaps, <laughs> than, than the last movie. But it, it just, you know, it sets up similar ideas, similar things. I think he even repeats a line from the first movie, opinions uh, like assholes, everyone's got one. I'm sure he said that in the first one.
1: Yeah, I, I, it triggered something for me, but I couldn't remember yeah. if it was this franchise or if it was somewhere else. But he definitely, I, I vaguely remember him saying that. Yeah, maybe... Di- this movie does have several points in it where it does feel like it is, it knows it's the last one, and mm-hmm. it's just, like, doing things of callbacks and things like that, where it's like, hey, remember this? And I don't think that it's ever played too strongly, where you're like, yeah, we no. get it, you're rapping it, you're saying goodbye, you're giving your curtain call. It never really does that, but it is still noticeable at times it's
0: kind of weird though because i feel like if you notice the last one like you'd want to do a story that feels like the final dirty harry story you know give mm-hmm. him his his dark knight returns give him his you know yeah. whatever it may be um and instead it just kind of feels like like we said earlier like a made for tv kind of plot where it's just doing a really generic killer you know every time it cuts to like the killer at his desk like writing his notes or like watching mm-hmm. his tv and it's it's that thing where it's hiding his face and it's doing all the sort of the typical serial killer thriller plot tropes
1: which it is worth noting, this is the only film in the whole franchise that specifically doesn't show us the killer. Every other one, it has revealed the killer. It's not a surprise. Yeah, it's, it's not yeah. like a. Whereas the here, they're kind of going for like a.
0: Not quite a who'd done it, but they're, tr- they're trying to really like make a, a big red
1: herring apparent yeah. for a while. I mean, the second film didn't show specifically which killer, but we did know that they were police. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this one's. It, hides it the whole way through and tries to play it up as a, like, oh, bet you didn't see this coming, which in fairness, I didn't, but that's just because they withheld information until like literally the moment they revealed it, so.
0: Yeah, and it's never really anyone, like, you're like, oh, I recognize them.
1: Yeah, (laughs) It's not like that. It's not like, hey, if you rewind the film, you'll see them in all these early scenes. It's like, no, it's just the character that we're meeting for this first time right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, Yeah, I think we'll give the spoiler warning so we can get into uh, everything. The the only other thing I'll say before is that the film wraps up just as quickly as the last one did, where as soon as the plot is done, like, it's just the the aerial shot of him walking away and the credits start rolling. And I just, I I kind of like, really, you don't want to do like a little bit of like an epilogue where Harry like, like has his goodbye where he sort of feels like he's learned something or he reflects upon his time as a cop or something. No,
1: just roll credits. No one cares. I do, much as we were saying before that I, like, all those intro scenes of him getting into mm. more and more crazy things, we wanted that to end with him, like, in space or something like that. Um, I kind of wanted each of these movies to just end quicker and quicker to the point where <laughs> I wanted this last movie to, like, he he shoots the guy, and then as soon as the bullet hits him, just boom, credits. Freeze frame like, credits. We're not even going. Yep
0: like actually freeze frame on the guy's reaction to being shot just like Bleh! Yep. and just you know and then credit credits roll. that yeah, would be okay. that'd
1: be perfect for me like oh okay we're done now bye
0: <laughs> yeah so spoilers then from this point on for the deadpool mm-hmm. uh, should you be concerned um so yeah there believe it or not there's another random harry just happens to be there when something's what? going down uh he's with his new partner they're in like Chinatown or something and they hear a gunshot and there's like a restaurant being uh you know or robbed or whatever robbed, yeah. which just so happens that one of the bystanders outside ends up in someone who was on the Deadpool list which I thought was a really contrived connection I'm like why, yeah. why? why did you try and tie that into this like just if it's going to be around random anyway Harry sneaks in through the back he sits down at one of the tables so when the, the armed like bad guys are walking around he's like if you got your fortune cookie and then he you know reads it and he just says what did, what did he say like oh, oh god what was it it uh, was like you're shit out of luck. Now, Maybe he said that here as well, but that was definitely the end. is what. Well, uh, yeah, but I
1: think that's his recurring line. Yeah. Uh,
0: which is a reference, to be fair, I think the whole idea at the end of the movie is that because the bad guy's the one with the gun, and he says, mm-hmm. you're at a shot, which means you're shit out of luck, I think that's meant to be like a flip, like callback to the original yeah, movie's explain.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's those little mentions where I was like, I'm thinking that's, I feel like you know that you're not doing this again. Yeah. I I feel like it would have been
0: probably better if he'd been more, like, on the nose with it. I mm-hmm. usually don't say that, but I feel like he, f- he said, you're out of shots, so I'm feeling pretty lucky, punk, or something, you know, like something that would be a bit more, yeah. like, direct to it, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, the only noble thing about this, really, because the actual action of the scene is not that interesting, is that his new partner... Um... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Al Kwan, uh or Kwan, I don't know how you pronounce it, but... Yeah, he's uh, his new partner. What actually? What I appreciate about this is that Harry comes in at the start, and there's a lot of threats on his life, and you know that's the opening mm-hmm. scenes, literally him getting trying to be assassinated. And yeah. he comes in, and his kind of like, "Hey, you know, detective or inspector Quan here. He's uh, transferring over from this other
1: division." Well, you 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 skip the short little bit here where once again they threatened to take him off homicide because he's not playing the PR game. Apparently, oh tr-
0: yes, true, true. But then and I was just
1: like yeah sure take him off i'm sure he'll be back on in like six minutes whatever but then he
0: threatens to quit and that would be bad for pr so they're like okay you can stay on homicide (laughs) so he he just makes them fold immediately but now what i appreciate about this is that they say hey here's inspector alquan he's he's uh moving over from whatever department to homicide and like gang investigations and i actually really liked that that uh, this was not some rookie and Harry immediately goes, oh, that's great. You know, homicid could use a good cop like him. I was like, hey, you, like that that's actually kind of a nice sentiment here where usually he's yeah. like, oh, no, I don't want a partner. This guy sucks. And then he's like, well, he's going to be your partner now because you need like some backup. And I love that it's almost meta where Harry just goes, I mean, most of my partners end up dead at the hospital.
1: How does, how does Al feel about this? I mean, you say almost meta. That's just full meta. That's just the full of like, yeah, no, yeah. they do. You, you have a bad record here.
0: And I love the, the the expression on uh, Quan's face every time it cuts to him here, where he's like, "Hey, Quan, you can handle this, right?" He's like, "Yeah, I think I can handle it." Like, yeah. there's just there's, there's a there's a genuine fear of oh shit, <laughs> like yeah. I might be screwed. Harry's got a reputation, <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I was bringing him up here because. Uh, Like, I thought they were going to do more with this, but when this thing happens uh, at the restaurant, when Harry Mm -hmm. comes out and he's, like, taking out all of them, uh, the last guy runs across the street into Quan, who was, like, calling for backup. And Quan turns out, because he's Asian, knows martial arts, which, you know, okay, right, whatever, you can ignore that trope and just sort of appreciate that this is different to Harry and Harry has to watch him, like, take him out and he's kind of impressed. I thought it was interesting, though, that after he, you know, does a couple of spin kicks he knocks the guy down he then handcuffs him and i'm like yeah harry he took his guy in alive you killed every other person that was involved with this he actually arrested the guy and no, actually and while we're on the subject harry was once again opening fire and a busy restaurant full of innocent, oh, yeah. innocent innocent members of the public the civilians were just all over the place and harry's just shooting first and not worrying about it
1: <coughs> i i cannot express to you <laughs> That these people, the the people who wrote this and the people who produced this, mm-hmm. they watched the first movie or read the first movie. And the thing that they took out of it was do whatever it takes to take in the guy. Yes. Which they then extrapolate to, you can fire in a restaurant full of people who are not your guy. And taking in your guy also means dead or alive. Yes. Um... So that... That has been a thing since, like, the second movie. It is not ever going to... There's just... There's there's a difference
0: between he's willing to cross the line and there's just this public reckless endangerment that he's just, like... Before even thinking about it, I started blasting.
1: <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> I started blasting. I mean, yeah, there <laughs> is. But I, I don't... I think that that has been more of this series than not. Oh, no, he's I've... just fully like yeah no screw it i'll just fire I, made, wherever. I made this joke in the first
0: movie because of the hot dog scene and i mm-hmm. stand by making it there but it has definitely been much worse than the sequels yeah so i why I point it out yeah at this point right. at this point it doesn't really matter anymore but i'm just you know it's consistent till this but if anything it's just gotten incre- increasingly a little bit more silly every movie yeah. and here we are <laughs> Um, that said, though, this was nowhere near as funny as the uh, the random action scene from the last one, which was the get at the diner and the you know, the coffee and the sugar stuff. Yeah, that had way more of a funny setup. This was just kind of oh, there's a gunshot in the distance. Uh, let's go and deal with it. So
1: yeah, I mean, this one was actually somewhat plot relevant because it managed to get us the Deadpool list, which again, Harry's name was on because why not? Yeah, but they already had it because the killer sent it in to the the press. I feel like this happened just before that, though. I feel like they got their hands on the list just before. Oh no! You know what it was? It was that they were like, "Oh, hey, this person who was involved was also yeah on the list." How 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 weird that both of them ended up being shot. Crazy. I can I
0: can only assu- I actually laugh because they said, "Oh, who's that, this guy that's going to the the you know that's getting you know, bagged up and taken to the morgue." It's like, oh, mm. just some an instant bystander. I went, mm, was that
1: Harry's bullet that, that, that <laughs> killed him? That was my first thought. I can From only... Some instant bystander shot by a forty-four Magnum, huh? All weird. I can assume
0: is that the actual killer, because he was maybe following Harry because he's on the list, because uh, the, the killer's going down this list. That, you know, he's, he's specifically going after the people on the director's Deadpool list. Right? He's, right. He's, he's going after them. Um, I can only assume that he was following Harry, this broke out, and he used the opportunity because... Or maybe he was following the other guy because the other guy... Because this dead guy's on the list, which is the completely big coincidence of the whole thing. I can only assume that when this was all going on, he thought, I'll sneak in and all the confusion
1: and just quickly, you know, take him down. I mean, I I honestly think that it literally was just happenstance. I I can't imagine that the guy would have... Because they spend so much time showing us from the perspective of the killer... That he does just skulk around and get these people. The fact they didn't show that at all, even for a second, I think it was just like, no, he, he genuinely just died of that, nothing related to the plot. It's too much of a coincidence. I can't, I can't accept this. Oh, I'm sorry. This movie is—it's <laughs> too stupid. I can't accept. You know the coincidence of them just happening to be right next to a robbery as it was breaking out. Yeah, that's fine. That happens every Thursday for Harry. But... <laughs> well, we talked about this last movie.
0: He's got like a, an aura. He's got like a, yeah.
1: a magnetism to 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 Crane and Crane. To death. <laughs> I mean, yes. Um, one thing that we kind of skipped over is that uh, not the opening scene, but prior to the whole Deadpool being revealed, is Jim Carrey's scene. Oh yeah, we skipped over this. Yeah, we can thing. go back and talk about this now. Yeah, uh, I so he, the 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 first thing that happens is you know whatever, all dirty Harry, he's trapped in the cars and whatever he's told. Yeah, and then, hey, then it's all the stuff department. where
0: he gets his partner and they're talking to him at the station. This after that, it cuts to Jim yes. Carrey, and it, no, it cuts like
1: hard cut to Welcome to the Jungle, where Jim Carrey is dressed as a priest but like with a punk aesthetic in this like neon lit hotel room. And there is a nun sitting in the bed and he's like praying on the side of the bed and starts lip syncing to welcome in the jungle. And this goes on for a good like minute. Well, they paid for the rights to Guns
0: N' Roses so They're going to use as much of it as they possibly can. They use it twice. They use it again at the end. Yeah.
1: But I, I got to tell you, that was the moment. As soon as that happened, first off, I was happy to see Jim Carrey. Um, but as soon as that happened, I was like, OK, yeah, this this isn't going to be anything but like just silly. Is it like that was the moment as soon as he's dancing around this, and we find out it's a movie set. But as soon as he's dancing around this set, it was just balls out just like, yeah, no, this is just whatever. Have fun with it. It's not even trying to say a word. That's the moment that got me. I
0: think I don't think I get into the silliness of it until the car chase later, which we're definitely going to talk about because wild. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's Jim Carrey thing. He's, he's doing a music video, which is tying into the movie that he's making with Liam Neeson, mm-hmm. who's the director. uh And all it really does is introduce that Liam Neeson's a bit of a prick to everyone he works with, and Jim Carrey's a heroin addict. And he go, he, you know, and then the very next scene he goes back to his trailer he shoots up, and that's when the killer comes and gets him. Uh, he pours yeah. something in his mouth. I, I don't think he really... I couldn't tell what it was,
1: but... They said that they during the weightlifting scene, they said what it was. It was like some super drug of, like, cocaine and oh, heroin. Oh, right, okay. Something, something, something.
0: Um, which is actually something I want to point out, is that the killer does seem to have a different method for every victim, except after we get introduced to the, the toy car method. He then <laughs> uses that again for Harry, which I thought was a bit... Like, yeah. I understand I understand you want to set it up and then have the big payoff be the scene where Harry gets what it is, but it doesn't fit the MO where he's had a different method for every victim, so it's just a
1: little yeah, bit. Yeah, we find out that all the methods are him imitating methods that were used in Peter Swan's fire films. Prior films. Yeah. And so, okay, I guess that uh, maybe it was a toy car specifically, maybe it was just a general car explosion, I don't know, but that was something that yeah, it they reused it specifically for the purpose of having that scene because Harry would have no reason to recognize it beforehand. Exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, he, he had to
0: have a clue. Otherwise, we wouldn't get the best scene in the movie, which we'll talk the about. Absolutely,
1: it is hands
0: down yeah. the best scene in the movie. So, yeah, Jim Carrey dies. Uh, the big thing that happens after this is that you know the press want to talk to Harry because he's kind of semi-famous right now because he's in involvement with this other big case that the, you know with the guy going to prison, yep. and Patricia Clarkson is trying to talk to him. She's a reporter and she's running up to him and because
1: name is, uh sam walker
0: yeah samantha yeah uh, and because like the girlfriend of jim carrey shows up and starts crying and the cameraman's trying to get a shot of her basically harry's a bit of a sympathetic soul and says no leave her alone and he grabs the camera off the cameraman and throws it to the ground yep. um and it's like so then the captain's like you destroyed a tv camera the, the, the press are going to sue the police unless you do what this woman wants and samantha comes in and is like i want dinner harry so we cut to them in a in like a bar
1: restaurant and which real quick, I have my notes here from uh the second movie mm-hmm. and I'm just gonna put here of uh, my one line where it's uh, everyone wants Harry's dick. <laughs> just just real to, quick. to
0: be fair, I, I don't necessarily I mean maybe she is attracted to him, but I I think here at this point she her motive's more to get a story out of him. Oh yeah, absolutely. You right know,
1: here it's all just about furthering career because the next scene does straight up say that of oh, she's yeah. she's like, Now Harry, I have something very serious I wanna talk to you about. And she literally pulls out a scrapbook of pretty much the entire Dirty Harry franchise. And we (laughs) see that she actually flips open to uh, the Scorpio case. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of those, uh, another one of those things of like, hey, see, we're calling back. We're going to, this is it. We're we're playing our greatest hits. Um, But then, of course, Harry just chews her out and says like, all you people want is blood and guts and action and violence and whatnot. You don't care about me as a cop. I'm out of here. He yeah, just leaves. He just leaves. Um,
0: but then when he goes back to see her because the the press get this Deadpool list, he goes to see her after she's done a report, and it's a bit you know cold between them. She gives him the list, and then he turns around and says, "Hey, I owe you one, you know, yeah. for dinner." And it cuts to them. And, like, you know, she's dressed all fancy. He's just wearing what he always wears because he's always in a, you know, a tie and, you know, he's jacket. Yeah. Uh, and they go up this, uh, you know, glass elevator and they end up in this restaurant. We cut to the end of the dinner and they are getting on well enough. He's still saying no to the, the story, but mm-hmm. he's gotten to know her. She's talking about moving to San Francisco, blah, 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 blah. And... Yeah. There's actually there's a nice little scene here where they're leaving and these two guys sort of notice Harry and they start coming up behind them and Harry mm-hmm. thinking he's about to be attacked pulls out his gun shoves his Magnum in these guys' faces <laughs> and they're like hey Harry we just we just want an autograph <laughs> so yeah. he has to send an autograph and uh, like you know uh, Samantha's just kind of smirking after this because she's like it's your 15 minutes Harry they love you <laughs> like, um, but then of course like. Uh, two minutes later actual assassins show up and try and shoot them uh when they're in the elevator uh
1: and and again this shootout it's just this elevator is destroyed oh yeah yeah. there's nothing there and then harry just you know shoots them all afterwards there's not there's really not much
0: to it uh the the only interesting thing that the movie might be trying to do here is that sam's kind of shaken and there's a moment and you know aftermath when the ambulance is there and there's like police is that there's some press trying to get in and but obviously she's not a part of that right now. She's sitting there and she's not not traumatized. She's the story. Yeah, but she's all little shaken up and she's like, hey, it's my colleagues. I don't want to be the news. And it's almost like, you're almost hitting this up here. You know, the the, the yeah. reporter who's usually chasing the story now all of a sudden doesn't want to be that herself. Uh, mm-hmm. It's sort of maybe acknowledging a slight double standard to it or hypocrisy you
1: know i i think that there is you know something strong enough there because by the time we'll get to it of the gasoline scene yeah yeah uh they do fully just state the theme and pretty much come full circle on the arc but the biggest issue is is that's the end of act two and they come full circle on the arc
0: and it's also what you said earlier it's not harry's arc it's her arc
1: exactly it's she wraps up her character arc and then we have to continue on for another 30 minutes and it's like okay but this isn't what Harry's arc is. This is just you guys saying, oh, here's a bit of a morality thing and we'll move on from it. But Harry doesn't have to learn anything from that. He's already on the right side of it. He doesn't have to come to grips with like, maybe I should play nice with the media. It's like, no, he, he literally ends this the same way he starts, where he yeah. just blows off the media and walks away. Yeah, she just learns that Harry's right. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so Harry doesn't really have much of an arc in this movie. No, not um, at all. Which also, since we're on his love interest here, because obviously from this scene, it seems like they're starting to have a bit of a spark. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess he just never stayed in touch with, you know, the lady from the last movie.
1: Uh, I mean, uh, when (laughs) your entire relationship is built on being rival vigilantes, you're destined to burn out, I guess. I guess, yeah, I suppose.
0: It's not. It's not much of a talking point. I just you know I want you to acknowledge that it's just you know. A, a I mean, lot of, it, a lot of
1: franchises do this, but they just forget the love interest between movies. It's not a big. You deal, say but, that, but this was like this is again just continuing on the thing of anything that was established by the end of the last Dirty Harry film. You just forget going into the next true. Dirty Harry film. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah, I mean, pretty much uh, at this point, you know, as an archaeologist, the 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 critic gets killed. As this is happening, it's like you know, it kind of seems like this is all Peter Swan's enemies that are getting killed here. But yeah. Harry immediately is like, "No, nah, this does not feel right. Something's off about this." And the mm-hmm. yeah, they,
1: they, you know, they kind of I'm just trying. They've to... been talking. They've been talking to Quan this whole time, like visiting him constantly. And yeah, he's yeah. Like, oh, this is harassment. Stay off my set. I'm going to finish my movie. Um, and at one point when they're going to visit him, just uh, coming up later, they specifically show a scene with a harpoon gun. But, uh, so, I don't
0: know if it's actually Guns N' Roses, but there's someone who's meant to at least look like Slash.
1: Thank you! I was waiting for them to, like, hold on the guy just long enough to see if it's Slash, but they never did. And I was like, was it? Is it him?
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, they paid um, for the
0: song, so it's not un- outrageous that yeah. they might be in here. I mean,
1: it's entirely possible, but I I looked through the cast afterwards and I didn't see him, so I don't know. Um, but anyway, the they finally go back and talk to him again as he's at, like, a funeral or whatever, and... Uh, it's the Jim like, Carrey's funeral. Yeah. Mm. Uh, they they have him at Jim Carrey's funeral. Basically, so I'm like, look, we know it's not you. We've checked in with everybody. Like We we think that someone's trying to frame you. Do you have any idea who it could be? And basically, he comes down like, well, I'm a genius. So everyone hates my <laughs> Everyone's
0: genius. Everyone's jealous, yes. yes. And, that, and that's a different scene from the scene where we actually kind of finally get to the suspect where mm-hmm. he's like, oh, yeah, there was this guy who was obsessed with my films and wanted me to direct a script he'd written. And I had to get a restrainer order. And there's, like, no swerve here at all. It's just this
1: guy is the killer. Yeah, It comes... I think that there was a... The swerve they were trying to go for was that throughout the entire movie, uh, Swan keeps on yelling at, like, his technical assistant Mm. because he keeps on messing stuff up. But they make it very clear that the killer, whoever it is, has Swan's ponytail. And then... This guy doesn't. And it's entirely possible he could just, like, put on a ponytail or something like that. (laughs) But there's also a scene later on where they specifically show the killer, like, from the nose down. And Swan is uh, clean-shaven, and the technical assistant has a goatee. So it's also not him. So I don't know where they were trying to go with the swerve. I don't even know if there was a swerve. But it felt like they were trying to set something up at some point of, like, is it Swan? Is it this technical assistant? And then only at the end of the second act they say, "No, it's this guy you never met before." And I'm like, "Oh."
0: I feel like all the stuff we still have to talk about are all just kind of individual things. So we have another yeah. killing, which is the killer has a bomb on a toy car that he drives. He drives underneath yeah. a parked car with the victim in it and just sets yeah. off the bomb. And, we and get- the
1: victim. The victim was like a like a moral guardian who was yeah. like, "Oh, Peter no, uh, Peter Swan's films are." Uh, too violent and shouldn't be watched and
0: whatever. So, we get a couple of scenes at the crime scene afterwards where he's talking to the bomb expert guy and they're talking about how this happened. And he finds a little wheel and he's like, oh, it's like a wheel off of a toy car or something. You know, he's just Mm kind of confused. Like, why is this here? Uh, And it's like, okay, so that sets up the, the scene. So it's actually... Harry ends up spending the night with Patricia Clarkson's character. Yes. And mm-hmm. his, his partner comes and picks him up the next day and cracks a couple of jokes. Because actually, the day before, he even says to Harry, look, things are quite dangerous for you right now. Why don't you come and stay at my place so you don't have to stay at yours? Because mm-hmm. like that's probably too dangerous. And then Patricia Clarkson pulls up and he's, he's like, I think I've can. i, think I can, I've got a better option. So he goes with her. Okay. So, okay, fine, whatever. So he picks him up the next day and they're driving. And the villain... Is like parked across the road, and it just so happens that while well, he's got his toy car out with the bomb on it, which you don't see the bomb, you just assume the bomb's inside the car, yeah. right? Uh, there happens to be some kids on the street with their own toy car, and the frequencies <laughs> get crossed, and he can't quite control it properly. Um, so he can't do it while they're still parked. Carrie and Quan take off in the car, yeah. and so he ha- so he has to drive whilst using one hand to control the remote control car now. Most control cars, and you see this is the case in this movie for this one. It's mm-hmm. you know, there's two joysticks. One controls you know forward and back. The other one controls left and right. Mm-hmm.
1: You can control that with one hand, right? Okay, this is the most like unbelievable scene out of oh, this enti- oh. entire franchise. I, I'm but, only just getting started. This is no, me- no, but like it's not even because of that. Like yes, okay, he's driving it, cool, whatever. But like. Every From the moment that it starts, it's like, oh, he's driving this toy car up, and then uh, the frequencies get jammed or whatever. It's like, yeah, okay, of course they do, sure. It's just giving a little bit of time ahead. But then you start getting into the actual chase, and every single time they like cut to a different angle, it's doing something even more extremely like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> well, no, even before you get to the extreme things it does, though, even just the idea...
0: That once... Because Eastwood and like, Cole, they, they they pull up at a light and the toy car drives underneath them and mm-hmm. appears in front of them and Eastwood sort of clocks, wait a minute, that car's got a bomb on it. That's how they kill the other guy. So Eastwood yeah. backs up and it becomes this chase where you've got Eastwood or Dirty Harry in the car with his partner, uh-huh. driving in front. You've got the toy car behind that car chasing after them. And then you've got the killer in a car controlling the toy car chasing okay. after behind that. The idea that this toy car can even approach the speed of an actual vehicle that's driving away from it—if it's, you know, if it's one thing—if it's driving, you know, peacefully down the street, but he is actually racing away from the toy car at a mm-hmm. considerable speed. There is no way, shape, and form, this toy car can go sixty miles an hour <laughs> and keep up with Eastwood.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's number one. Were- Toys were made differently back in the no, 70s. Shut up. They may no. have had a diesel engine. I don't know. No. Point number one. There is no way this car could keep speed
0: with an actual right. vehicle. That's point one. Accepted. Sure. <laughs> point two <laughs> is that for some reason, when the toy car swerves onto the, the pavement or the sidewalk, and mm-hmm. people, you know, there's like a POV shot of the toy car at one point, and the people on the
1: sidewalk are like diving out the way of the toy car, I'm like,
0: why? It would just hit your leg and you wouldn't feel it. It would be nothing. No, I'd like
1: that's the sort of thing. Like I saw that scene and I'm like, look, you're in San Francisco in the late eighties. I guarantee you, you're going to see like, you know, a bunch of people jumping out of the way, And then you're going to get to that one, like 12 year old. Who's just going to like, see the car coming and actively kick it. Like there's no way that every single person here is going to move. What would actually happen is, harry would be heading down the street and then all of a sudden in his rear view on the sidewalk there'd just be a <clears throat> massive explosion <laughs> and not
0: even just that like they're not even just moving out the way like you see a couple people actually dive as if they're diving out of the way of a real car as if yeah. they're worried about getting hit and i'm like this thing is not going to hurt you you'll <laughs> it, you'll feel a tap on your foot that is all you're going to feel yep right uh, it like and then that's and then and then you get back into the chase and you've got that classic San Francisco thing where they're driving really yep. fast down the hill. So every time they go over a steep part of the hill,
1: you know the car jumps in the air and then the toy car does the same thing. <laughs> no, no. See, the best part of that was that they did it. It took like Harry takes the jump, the car takes the jump, the killer takes the jump, and then they're like, "That was pretty cool. Let's do it again." And then they did the exact <laughs> same shot. Like, jumping over the second hill. And they focused on the exact same order of things. And it's like, wow, thanks, guys. I missed it the first time. And the whole thing ends with a game of chicken. on, on, you missed the the one that got me the most. Oh, go on, then. Which was, at one point, there's an open manhole cover. Two guys (laughs) are working down in, like, the sewers. There's an open manhole cover. Harry's car, like, I think, swerves out of the way around them. But then the toy car, they make sure to specifically show that this toy car drives directly over this manhole cover. Mm-hmm. Like, open hole and somehow makes it off to the other side. At no point did they put back on the lid. Did they show how it managed to jump this two-foot gap where it should just went yeah, right into the hole? Nothing. But they specifically show oh, you that the only to... car that couldn't cover it
0: did <laughs> i just remember the other thing uh, before the end that really made me laugh is the killer at one point just says to pop a wheelie in the toy car so the toy car goes its back wheels and sort of yeah. goes down like that <laughs> with its front wheels up in the air God. and i'm like why can this do this and why is the toy car like skidding around corners it's a t-
1: it can't it's not going it can't go that fast it's, the whole thing was silly i i have to assume that whoever was in charge of like the toy car or something like that Like, he was told he was going to have this, like, thing. It's like, oh, we just need you to drive it under this guy's car for this one scene. And he's like, yeah, sure, okay. But then he, like, spent the next six weeks getting real good at it. (laughs) And so as soon as it came to the actual day shooting, he's like, guys, hear me out. I could go under the car, or I can pop a wheelie. So
0: you've got all this going on. And then it finally ends with perhaps the most ridiculous part. Is Eastwood and Co. end yeah, right. down an alleyway, so they turn around, and then the toy car is out in the other end of the alleyway, and we get a game of chicken. Where they're sitting there having a face-off with this toy car. And then the toy car drives under their car, and Eastwood just tries to time pulling away. Like he just tries to drive at the last second, hoping he'll get mm-hmm. away. And what's weird is that it really doesn't. The car the, the toy car explodes under the front of the car. It just so happens to not completely explode it exploded. like the first the, the first car that the killer killed this way yeah. the entire car went up it was like a complete massacre this time it's just the engines a bit in fire and then like, the two mm. guys are like ah they're a bit you know it's, there's a bit of bruising or whatever
1: Quan ends what up the- in the hospital kwan's end up in the hospital bravo harry yes. five for five you did it but he's alive <laughs> yeah but the first one in the first movie was too so it's all about whether they're dead or hospitalized
0: to be fair They actually have a friendship, they go jogging together, they're at the gym Mm -hmm. at one point. Harry almost gets him killed in the gym because he stops spotting him because he gets distracted by a a pretty lady. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, which felt a little bit of a character to me. I don't feel like Harry's ever gotten distracted
1: like that before by a woman. I mean, if you technically want to say in the first movie with the peeping scene when he was on the binoculars, but... Yeah, other than that, honestly, that's what this really came off the most to me, was that every time they made a callback in this movie, it was to the first movie. Hmm. Like, they kept on, it was just like, hey guys, but like, remember all the things we did in the first movie, while actively ignoring all the things that made the first movie great.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just, it felt a bit of a character because he's, he's not, like, yeah, maybe he got distracted by that when he was, but he was still just staking out. He wasn't missing something yeah. important because he was looking at that. Whereas here, like, Quan's like, oh, Harry, Harry, you know, lift up the weights, <laughs> Harry. But, you know, they, I appreciate they had a bit of a friendship and they had a bit of a yeah. camaraderie. That was kind of nice. It was a little bit different from the previous
1: partners. I'll give it that. Yeah, um, I mean, this one, I feel like. I feel like this is probably the most I've felt him really be with his partner since the first movie. hmm Like, he, he, they took the time to say, like, oh, yeah, here's, like, this guy, he has, like, a grandfather who believes in, like, ancient charms and stuff like that and good luck symbols and whatever. So they took the time to explain, like, hey, here's who he is. Here's what he does. Unlike, say, I don't know, Meathead, which... <laughs> Had nothing going for it, so... Yeah, and
0: it felt like when he was at crime scenes, his partner was off getting other information. They always felt like he was yeah. doing something. They just they... I
1: did... It It just felt weird to me of... It almost felt like it was, like, trying to tap into, like, lightly racist the whole time. But, like, at the same time, it was just well, playing it of just, like, no, that's just who he is. I don't know. It was weird. Well, it was funny, actually, because the, the the scene where they
0: introduced Quan and they say he's your partner now... The PR guy who's saying Harry, you need to like talk to the cop talk to the press more. Sorry, he he, he says at the end, oh, it's kind of good that you're uh, partners with Harry because Harry being partnered with a, a Chinese American is probably good for uh, the press. And like it cuts to the the, the lieutenant or the captain just face palming because it was just such a a yeah.
1: stupid like insensitive and was, thing to the, say. At the same point, you the writers of this movie have the only Asian guy in this whole franchise, no kung fu and have, like, Chinese symbols painted onto his body. Oh, yeah. Like, it yeah. it feels very tone-deaf for... the Literally, they showed how it was insensitive in its own movie. It just felt tone-deaf the whole way through.
0: Yeah. Part of that feels like... I, I mean, the, the point is completely valid. Part, part mm-hmm. of me just feels like oh, that's just the 80s. Like, I feel like the way they yeah. treat this character feels like how most movies in the 80s would treat this character. Uh, which is not a good thing, I'm just saying that's nah. just
1: how it is. Like, if it it did this in any of the first two movies, I'd just be like, yep, that that tracks. That just seems like exactly what it would be. But it was weird because they specifically, like you said, had that part where the captain or whoever said, like, oh, it's good for PR that you're a Chinaman. It's like, "Mm, that's not okay to say. They literally call that out, but then they keep doing it anyway. I don't know. It just seemed weird to me that it it was a double standard. That's very odd. So,
0: I brought up the jogging scene, which reminds me we have to talk about uh, Harry's, like, prevention of getting more assassinated yes so so there's a couple of assassination attempts the first one obviously being the most notable at the start of the movie but that's killer mm. who's went to prison once harry dead uh, lou janeiro janeiro there you go um holly Gennaro. Uh is, is he related to <laughs> john McClane's wife i don't know um, probably not but that would be a great cinematic universe <laughs> so harry's plan halfway through the movie is he goes to the prison and he finds a big, beefy-looking prisoner. He's like, "Hey, you, um, I need your help to just go stand somewhere, right?" Yeah. Uh, and he takes him down to go and talk to this Gennaro guy. And he goes up, and he just leaves the big muscly guy, the big meathead dude. Not no, no uh, reference to the dog. He <laughs> <laughs> leaves him back at the sort of the entrance of the hallway, and he goes up to Gennaro and just sort of like says, "Oh, you want me dead?" There's some, you know, back and forth. You're a punk. Blah 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 blah. And mm. then says, hey, see that guy over there? Uh, like, he he gets a letter from me every week and you're the mailman. And what that mm. means is, is if he doesn't get the letter from me, because you know, I'm helping get him get better, you know, uh, privileges in prison. I'm looking out for his sick mother. If he doesn't hear from me... Just straight
1: up lying, by the way. None oh, of no, this is
0: true. I think my favorite part of this is he not tell the big guy what his plan is. He just says, just stand there. Just stand there yeah. and look intimidating. And that's all you need to do. I'll, you know, he just he goes and talks to him. He scares the shit out of the guy. If anything happens to me, this guy's coming for you. And then on the way out, he sort of says something to the guy to make him look angry, and then...
1: Yeah, he's like, because the whole thing was he was trading for a pack of cigarettes. That's right, like, yeah. A Gennaro guy says that if you're smoking, you must be stupid. <laughs> he's like...
0: Yeah. Uh, which leads to the end of the jogging scene where these two guys are following Harry. You think it's another assassination attempt? Because why wouldn't we? It happens so yeah. often at this point. But okay. Harry like outsmarts them, starts punching the shit. Luckily for them, he didn't just open fire because he didn't have his gun on him because he was he was very in his...
1: out of character for Harry, honestly.
0: Yeah, well, he was jogging, so he just had like a t-shirt and he had like a he's mm-hmm. he joggers on, and. The guy's like, hey, it's not an assassination attempt. We're not a hit. We're not a hit. Uh we are hired by Jadero because he's hired us to protect you. <laughs> he he's making sure nothing bad happens to you so that he's safe in prison. <laughs> and yeah. I thought that's it, it's it's too this is the thing. Much like the Toy Car scene, right? That Toy mm. Car race is fantastic. I don't necessarily think it's good to be in a dirty Harry movie. I think right. in a different movie I think it would be an amazing addition for a more light hearted film. Equally mm. this, I think this is funny. This is a funny punchline that I don't necessarily necessarily what a dirty Harry movie, but it did make me laugh that yeah, this guy exactly. is protecting Harry
1: because it's worked so well. Yeah. And honestly I was thinking that those guys were gonna come back later. Like there were gonna be something that comes up at the yeah. end. But it was looking back on it now, it was literally just the punchline to the entire Gennaro plot. That that, that was just like ha 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 these guys who were hired to protect Harry no, honestly, literally I, I think are this weaker a, than him I think that is a valid
0: point you just made I think it is a poor script that these guys didn't show up to help him at the, in the finale or something mm-hmm. you know when when yeah. shit's going down they should have been like oh this is how he ends up winning
1: at the end is that he's got these two get bodyguards or something that are looking out for yeah. him that it doesn't a... even need to be that he wins in the end it just needs to be that it helps him to some extent
0: yeah yeah so that would just be good setup and payoff. off like this, this mm-hmm. could be like oh, this entire subplot actually had a payoff in the main plot by the end. That would actually be not amazing, right? I must say it would completely make it look a, a genius nah. script, but it would be a, a functional reason to have it there and it would work better. So I'm kind of annoyed at them now for not using that <laughs> in some way yeah. by the end. Because uh, honestly, the entire like, ending of the movie, uh, which is just, oh, the our one female character becomes a damsel because she gets kidnapped by the killer and
1: yeah. Harry has to go and save her. That's all that is. Yeah, the killer's name is Harlan Rook and as you said before, he was just like a super fan that yeah. Peter said, Hey, I need a restraining order on this guy. So somehow somehow he managed to get a job on security for the film with a fake name. Was, with a fake name, and that allowed him to know about the Deadpool list and therefore because he's such a super fan, he's trying to help Peter win the whole thing. Mm. So
0: yeah, um, the only scene before the ending I guess we need to talk about is the uh, the, big,
1: the the guy who wants to set himself on fire. Yeah, so that was pretty much right after the critic died. Um, they get a call that there's a guy claiming to be the killer from the Deadpool list, and he specifically doesn't want any... Like, like He's standing in the middle of town, he's doused himself in gasoline, he has a road flare next to him, he's threatening to set himself up. Uh, but then he says, no cops, no firefighters, nothing like that. He only wants to talk to somebody that he recognizes from the media. So,
0: Well, yeah, I like that detail because because Har- he says, at first they say, he wants to talk to a reporter with a cameraman. And mm-hmm. Harry says, oh, that's easy. Me and Quan will just, you know, uh, impersonate. Yeah. And we've seen him, to be fair, we've seen him do that. He was the pilot in the second yeah, movie. We've seen him do one. this before. Uh, and he's like no it has to be someone he recognizes and then he looks over and sees patricia clarkson and goes aha i've got an idea so So and he
1: dresses up as the camera
0: yeah so they go they go in and i guess the end of her arc here is that instead of just going for the story she actually tries to de-escalate the situation and talk him out of like
1: Mm -hmm. doing this well his whole reason for doing it is quite literally the extreme of her arc Of it being that no one ever, he feels that no one ever paid attention to him. And in order to get the attention that he feels he deserves, he's going to do the death and gore and whatnot that he feels everyone pays attention to nowadays because of the news. And he thinks that the news is not going to pass up an opportunity to have this live on their station. So he will definitely be on TV. But then she's like, no, we're not going to do that. You, no one will know that you died.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, though he does, still set himself on fire and yeah. uh, accidentally. He's
1: about to. Yeah. He's about to talk himself down, but the flare that he drops, of course, falls into the gasoline. Yeah.
0: Which...
1: So I, I guess you could say this is
0: kind of them doing because you know, as I seen the first movie where Harry goes up in the cherry picker, he talked to the the the, the jumper, mm-hmm. uh, and he actually stops him in, in that case. Yeah. Uh, but here, uh, like, I mean, like you said. He was going to back down, but stupidity yes. and uh, clumsiness got the better
1: of him. But uh, but even then, he lives. Like he yeah. Harry jumps in, pats him down, and he gets out with a few burns. So yeah. So uh,
0: it's kind of a it's it's funny because like in, in some ways this is the scene that's trying to say the most probably in the whole movie. But it feels oh, absolutely it feels kind of out of place though
1: because of it. It feels like it doesn't mm-hmm. fit the rest of the film. It feels like it's more of a moment that Harry can gain some adoration to the reporter character, more Mm. so than we're directly speaking to the theme here. It felt like more of a relationship development scene than a plot development scene.
0: Yeah, Uh, which, you know, and it's kind of weird because they're building up this adoration, like you say, but I don't necessarily feel like it goes out of its way to show that there's a deep personal feeling like you
1: know blossoming i mean if anything if anything they avoid that entirely by skipping over that scene of them spending the night together we're just implied that that deep feeling somehow developed and we meant to infer it's there but the problem is
0: though is that when harry finds out she's been kidnapped he barely reacts he just kind of looks the way he always does he's like oh
1: we have to get to now you're just talking about eastwood's acting ability that's completely separate (laughs) but i
0: I think it's written that way i think what you would what you would want to do especially since the last movie is maybe show that he finally has someone that he does really care about and he really does want to go and save her and it is like a personal thing beyond just being a cop and stopping the bad guy now but i don't think it ever actually gives me that he still feels he's just acting like he did at the end of the last movie or the end of the third movie
1: or the end of the second movie (laughs) like he just feels like he's acting like harry yeah, um, I mean, that is, that is the thing of, I don't think that after the first movie, any writer really felt that they could change Harry. He always had to be the same guy coming in as is when he left. They couldn't question anything about him. Just in
0: case they make a second movie.
1: Yeah. Just, just in, in case. case that happens way down the road.
0: Yeah. So what I thought was weird, actually, so he kidnaps her, but he, he phones her and claims you know, He does his impression
1: of, uh, of Peter Swan. Of, and okay, yeah. So here's the thing. <laughs> Liam Neeson I don't think they knew this at the time, but Liam Neeson has a very specific voice. Yes. That is very iconic to him. So when they have this entire scene and it happens a couple times through, uh the first one is during the critics uh murder. They specifically have him putting on this like fake voice that is supposed to make you think, hey, this is Peter Swan. But because Liam Neeson's voice is so recognizable, it is immediately apparent to anybody who knows it, like, that's not him. That's not even close to him. So I suppose the solution to
0: this may have been actually have Liam Neeson dub the scene.
1: Yeah. And I think that would have been the better option there if you actually meant it to be the swerve. But because of I get, honestly. I think that if Liam Neeson didn't really do anything more with the career, they might have been able to get away with it. In that, you know, nobody would have known. Oh his yeah, voice but as we we all know is. Liam Neeson's voice so well because we've yeah. seen him in numerous movies over the last like three decades. <laughs> exactly. It's 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 no fault of its own. It didn't. It. There's no way it could have known how Liam Neeson's career trajectory would have gone. But because of the way it happens, it actually works as like an anti-swerve where yeah in, i'm sure in the theaters they're sitting there thinking like oh that must be him because he's he looks the part and he sounds the part but then to us afterwards we're like that's not liam neeson and not
0: even just his voice like at one point it's when he's killing the, the critic in our house that you see a lot of them like inside view silhouette right so they're hiding mm-hmm. his face but liam neeson's jawline again like i just like that that's not him yeah. i know it's not him but again I can, I can see we it's not only him.
1: know that because we have become familiar with liam neeson yeah uh, he's got a very distinct face. It's just
0: you know, <laughs> yeah. so, um, yeah. Uh, so, what I thought was weird here is he phones Patricia Clarkson and says, "I'm Peter Swan. I want an interview to get my side of the story out." And when Harry tries to contact her, when he realises that her name's been added to the list, uh, because they've they found the killer's like apartment by this point, is mm-hmm. they phone the the news station and the, the like whoever's there t- tells them. Oh, she's went to this like area at the at the docks or whatever, the warehouse district, to talk to Peter Spawn and get an interview. But mm-hmm. Peter Spawn we've contacted him as well, and he, he knows nothing about it. So they're like, okay, she's in trouble. What I yeah. didn't get, though, is that it turns out that this location that he gave them, or, or that she was told for the interview, is mm-hmm. accurate. Because Harry just goes there and finds them. The reason yeah. the reason why I think that's stupid is because he actually kidnaps her in the car park at the, the news station so why did he give her the real location that he was going to take her to
1: maybe in case he couldn't get her at the car park I don't know I, uh, honestly uh, it, I think it's a writing club in general. yeah it, it just it struck me
0: as weird because he, he kidnaps her in the car park you know he, he kills the camera guy that's going with her and kidnaps her there he takes her to this place in the warehouse district and then Harry just goes there, with it, even struggling. He just he knew where to go because where where they were told she was going was accurate. <laughs> Which yeah. feels as as a as a criminal who's about to commit a crime, giving them that breadcrumb to find you that easily. It seems like a bit of a, a bit of a poor choice.
1: I mean, yeah. Now the only thing I could think is that he didn't think that she would tell anybody mm-hmm. where she was going, and therefore it would have just been like a okay, but like. Nobody knows sort of thing, but yeah, there's no from a, because the writers knew how things were going to go out, they could have easily changed it, and it is just a writing flub of like, well, we need the yeah, honestly, it might be a thing of when they initially wrote it, they thought like, okay, and so she'll go there and she'll be caught up by him, but then they realized she would probably bring a cameraman, wouldn't she? And Mm. so they had to explain away why the cameraman wasn't... Either
0: that, or they just had to have, like, a reason for Harry
1: to find them quickly, because they didn't want to do a whole subplot of Harry discovering... I mean, that's fair. You know? Yeah. Uh, Because they didn't really set up anything beforehand of how to possibly track
0: her, so... No. So, ultimately, she's tied up, he's acting crazy and talking about as if he's Peter Swan, and then Harry shows up. It's nowhere near as an epic an entrance as the last movie. There's there's a bit of, like, a... Like fog or smoke machine coming up to like make him look a bit yeah. spookier, but that's for the entire final scene. That's about it. Uh, ultimately, though, like he makes Harry throw down his gun, and then Harry just grabs her, and uh, they, they they basically run away for a bit in the darkness, mm-hmm. uh, away from the killer, and eventually Harry splits from her. And he gets down to the the pier, and mm-hmm. Harry walks out of the the fall. Well, this
1: enti- this entire time, uh, Rook has been firing off shots.
0: Yeah he's, he's got Harry's Harry's gone. yeah, he's got Harry's gun. Yeah, he's got Harry's gun, and he he fires a shot occasionally, and yeah. then it gets to the point where he's on the docks. He thinks he's got Har- Harry cornered at this little building at the end of the, the pier, and Harry says something, and it's it's almost like a ghost because it's like from another direction, and yeah. he comes walking through the fog. <laughs> he says, "You're out of bullets." He walks through the fog, and the camera pulls back or pulls down, and we see him holding this ridiculously big harpoon gun. Mm. And he looks stupid holding this thing. (laughs) It looks so silly. But he fires the harpoon gun and he, you know, the guy lands at the door. But yeah, he has the line where he's like, you're out of shots, uh, which makes your lungs run out, punk. And it's a callback to the do you feel lucky, punk? You know, five shots are only six. Of course,
1: Harry was counting because uh, Harry does keep track. I mean, to be fair, as soon as I knew that he was picking up the uh, The gun. gun that was Harry's gun, I was like, I know how many bullets are in that. And therefore, I'm going to keep count. And it was actually six. They actually made sure
0: it was the right amount. That's cool. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I kind of did the same thing where not so much that I was going to count them. But as soon as he picked up the gun and he fired a shot, I went, oh, that's one. He's only got... Well, My first thought was, all they have to do is wait until he's used all six shots. And then he's not a danger Mm -hmm. anymore. Harry can just go and deal with them. And then it clicked and I went, oh... If they don't do a callback where Harry's like keeping count right. to the first, mo- you know, because the first movie was a whole, was it five shots or only, s- or just five shots or six, you know, and all mm. this confusion, I've lost count. If they don't do a callback to that when Harry's on the other end of it, they're idiots, and they kind of oh, yeah. do. It's not a great reference, but it's a reference. So
1: yeah, they they like you say he says shit out of luck instead of out of luck punk, which eh, kind of like a, it's I just a slant.
0: I feel like he should have phrased it that he's lucky because in the first movie, he says to the guy on the other end, you know, the guy he's pointing the gun at, he says, uh, do you feel lucky, punk? I yeah. feel like the reference here should have been how saying that he's lucky because he knows that yeah. the, the bullets It literally
1: are- needs to be like, you're out of bullets, step out of the fog holding the harpoon gun. Still would have been stupid there, but regardless, stepping out of the fog and then he says, I'm feeling lucky. Boom. Fire the shot. Yeah. You that's know, all that, I need
0: to be. Yeah, I'm feeling lucky. That makes me lucky punk. Or it means or it means it's my lucky day punk or something. you know mm-hmm. uh, Whatever. Whatever variation yep. of that would have been perfect. Yep. And that's just the end of the movie, because you know, like the, the the cops and all that and arrive and he just walks off with and I will say they incredible. did have a good
1: line of um because you know, this harpoon basically strung him up like he's, a good foot off the ground. Yeah, he's hanging on the door, yeah. Yeah, and so one of the cops comes up and says, like, Harry, where's the killer? And he's like, Oh, he's just hanging around. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. Hmm. Good enough. But I don't think it's strong enough to be the final line of the movie, which it ended up being. Well, it's not just so... the final line of the Dirty Harry franchise. It's yeah. just that. <laughs> it's it, honestly, if they had said, "I," I'll, you know, whatever version of I'm feeling lucky and then never had him say another word to the end of the film, I think that would have been fine.
0: And it's kind of sad that it is the last one because nothing about it feels, a little... I mean, I know they're making references to the first one and that feels kind mm-hmm. of like a, a full circle thing. But nothing about this feels like, oh, this feels like he's found a permanent love partner. It, or it doesn't feel like he's, he's, oh, he's finally going to retire. Or right. nothing in the plot or the character journey feels like the end of the story. It, it's just it's just another, another one. It's just another adventure, yeah. and that's it. It's over.
1: I mean, I was thinking that at the beginning of the movie, again, he threatened that he was going to quit. And then they told him, all right, you can stay on. I feel like there should have been two arcs going on. The first arc of, you know, sam walker dealing with though i'm in the media am i responsible for what the media shows sort of thing but then also have just this simultaneous arc for harry of like being able to hang it up even if he doesn't end up with her even if he doesn't do whatever just being like look i'll do what i can from the media standpoint but i'm still only one person if this is getting to be too much for you you can leave like you don't have to hang around you've done your time and I feel like that should have been the arc that went on with Harry in this movie, so that at the end, even if they don't explicitly say that he's done, we can just kind of infer that, like, no, he is kind of walking away from the whole thing. I but mean, because they had none of that, it's just yeah, another I mean, ending. F- for one, like, we already had this ending at the end of
0: the first movie where he tosses his badge, which, again, yeah. is the perfect ending to that movie, and you can kind of just consider the sequel's fan fiction, by and large. But, <laughs> like... He doesn't have to make the conscious choice. I think it just has to... You know, it doesn't have to end with him saying, I'm done already, or I'm throwing the badge away, or I'm quitting yeah. now. It just has to end with the idea that he's accepted that his time is coming to a close. Like, he's, you know, he's at that yeah. age. He's coming. He's pushing 60. His it time is to almost end up. end with
1: how the first movie ended.
0: Yes. But like, it, but it was perfect then. It was perfect in the yeah. first movie. It isn't it, So, basically what I'm saying is, is the first movie ended perfectly, and the sequels... Really don't need to exist. And yeah. So let's pause that there because we're going to come back and just talk about the whole franchise in a minute after we've rated this. So, Uh,
1: real quick, did want to bring up, did some more uh, looking into it. And it turns out that not only Slash, but the entire Guns N' Roses band was Mm -hmm. in that scene. Oh, really? Okay. That was them.
0: Fair enough. They got their cameo. Yep. Congratulations. Uh, (laughs) All right. Well, what are you rating, The Deadpool? Okay.
1: So. It's if the one out of 10 rating, whatever it is, if I'm looking at it just in terms of its own film, regardless of it being a Dirty Harry film just on its own, I think that this is it's enjoyable in a much different way than the other Dirty Harry films have been, but more so from just a silly perspective than a, hey, let's look at these deep meanings and you, you
0: can't watch that car chase scene and not think it's utter silly nonsense. Exactly. It
1: is. It's nonsense. But it's, if you're willing to accept that it's silly nonsense, it makes it fun. And because of that, I did have fun with this movie. I think that it was a fun little action flick. It wasn't a serious cinema piece. It was just dumb fun. And because of that, I do have to give it, I think, a rating of I'm gonna say six point five okay okay my uh, my other only critiques are that it did feel very sterilized, it did feel very you know rushed out. It didn't feel like it was anything that a lot of effort was superbly no, put into.
0: It felt very uh, generic, you know I think they've all felt more and more generic as we went through the franchise and i I would say I did have a lot of fun with a couple of key sequences and enjoyed mm-hmm. how silly the car chase was. I do think it's kind of dull for a lot of the movie before that point. I didn't really ever really have much fun with the killer plot. Um, Not not even just comparing it to some of the better examples earlier in the franchise, but just on its own merit. I just thought it was a really kind of trite story. So between that and between just like it losing all of its personality, effectively from the first Dirty Harry and just being this kind of, you know, soulless final sequel... Albeit beat it with some funny scenes. I think I have to go with kind of a similar rating that I've done with some of the previous ones and probably just go with a... Probably just with a five. I'm probably going to okay. split the difference, make it even, and just kind of... I think it's kind of sad as the last entry in a franchise if you care about the character, but there is some fun to be had in the kind of the so bad or so silly it's good right. elements. But it, that isn't consistent enough... For me to give it an outright recommendation. And even if that was consistent, I would I would maybe even give it a lower rate and just say, oh, it's like a three out of ten, but it is a must see three out of ten. That's not the case here. It's yeah. more just sort of meddling with a couple of great silly scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah. Go. All right. Uh so as far as making the cut goes though, David,
1: is it making yeah. the cut? Uh this is one I've been wrestling with. <sighs> so again, I like it as a movie, I like it as a flick. Not cinema, but a flick. (laughs) But it's not like a Dirty Harry film. This is the most it's gotten separated from. And that includes goddamn Meathead in that. And this is still the most separated Mm -hmm. from the Dirty Harry franchise that I have felt over the course of this whole thing. So if this is more rating of if I'm collecting Dirty Harry films, do I think that it needs to be here? I gotta say, cut. I mean, I can't see this as necessary as the, oh, you need this for the conclusion of the no. Dirty Harry. Like, nothing in here is required for that. So, yeah, I gotta say cut from the collection.
0: Yeah, I agree. Cut from the collection. It's just not bad enough to be cut your losses, but it's definitely a no. cut from your collection thing. Um, you know, and I think... <sighs> There's definitely been some interesting elements to some of these sequels and I think Magnum Force is probably worth watching but to kind of sum up the whole franchise at this point I think it this is very much one for me where I'm like you only really kind of need to get the first one. The first one is the only one that feels important enough to actually want unless you just like the character and you like the sequels enough to, to go for it but I, I think this is definitely one for me that's uh, the original stands out and the sequels feel very separate in the sense that they feel very optional. Uh, to go along with it whereas you know other franchises where you you get sequels that might be lesser than the original but they're good enough that it's still kind of worth recommending as a series this i think it's like no there's a very big delineation between that first one and then yeah the, the rest i mean
1: i i can't argue with that at all i mean yes there are moments obviously the fourth one has the make my day line yeah um and there are different things that pull all throughout that are recognizable but Yeah, if you're talking about what is actually something... Like, the first movie is what makes this franchise recognizable. It's what makes it something that stands with a little bit of prestige. Everything else honestly just detracts from that prestige with every additional entry. But the first one just had so much to it, so much just standing. It's the only thing that's keeping the entire thing afloat.
0: And maybe the other way to look at it is if you're just recommending to someone dirty harry are you saying you need to see dirty harry or are you saying you need to see the dirty harry movies i i would say that you're only ever going to see the first one right you're not recommending yeah. the franchise you're recommending dirty harry specifically
1: yeah i mean i do think this is the kind of franchise that you know if somebody is very much into the character more so than the themes itself of yeah. the first dirty harry then i would say yeah go ahead check out the rest because the character stays true the whole way through but if you're into this whole thing of, like, oh, the black and white morality and the times are changing and stuff like that, the stuff that the first movie dealt with, that's gone. That's not going to come back again. So, yeah. And it's
0: definitely not, like, there's definitely franchises with much worse sequels. So this is not the the bottom of the barrel oh, no, as far as that stuff goes, but... Certainly, I don't think they're up to a standard that I think makes it a, a series recommendation rather than a single movie recommendation. Where if you want to dive into the sequels, sure, but it, mm-hmm. I'm never going to recommend and say you have to like. I would say watch Dirty Harry, and if you're asking me to give my my stern recommendation, I would say watch Dirty Harry and then move on to something else. <laughs> you yeah, know, move right.
1: on to another movie or another franchise or whatever. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a solid movie, but. As we've been saying, it's just a movie. As soon as you get into the other stuff, it yeah. is entirely up to the individual person whether it's worth continuing forward. With the slant being no.
0: Yeah, I, I would I would say more than solid. I would say it's is a genuinely great like seventies movie. That's you know, yeah. Maybe the word classic is thrown around too much, but you know at this point it kind of is. It's it's a yeah. classic.
1: I mean, anything that manages to spawn four movies from it does have something going on. Especially when none of the following sequels Uh, Excuse
0: me, Michael Bay's Transformers has four sequels and a spin-off.
1: Okay, and the (laughs) something it has is money.
0: (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm just pointing that out there. That's not necessarily a a,
1: a barometer for quality. Yeah, but I mean, there was Dirty Harry, ostensibly if you look at it, it didn't gross a massive amount. It didn't have a Mm. huge amount of star power outside of clint eastwood it didn't have a bunch of lines that were super recognizable outside the make my day punk Mm -hmm. or sorry uh are you feeling lucky punk nothing in it is specifically something that's like this is remembered for this specifically it's just overall a quality film and that's what manages to get it to stand the test of time yeah uh probably worth
0: ranking the franchise uh You know, especially that it's only five, it's not a hard thing to do. I mean, I think for both of us, Dirty Harry is number one. There's no question of that. Yes, Um, absolutely. We'd probably both put Magnum Force at number two. Yes. Would you agree with that? Maybe after that's where it's going to get a little murky because we're sort of juggling the
1: the, the lessers. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, uh, Dirty Harry, Magnum Force, of course, one and two. I would then honestly jump to Deadpool for three. Just because while it doesn't deal with the themes, I think that it is still more fun. It is still something that if mm-hmm. you are willing to turn your brain off for, it's worth it. And then after that you get Enforcer and Sudden Impact in that order because it was just it's it was A weird decline where it continued going down the entire time in terms of dealing with themes, but only the last film managed to pull up for comedy and just fun. (laughs) For different reasons, yeah. Yes. Uh, I
0: don't know. I I might agree with Deadpool being three, and it's really just down to the car scene just being silly Mm -hmm. enough that I might just... It's more memorable because of it. I may put sudden impact above Enforcer, though. I think okay. overall, sudden impact at least, and this was good you know, when we talked about those movies. The Enforcer, it felt like the villains were an afterthought. At least, sudden impact felt like it had a focused story that it was actually telling.
1: Yeah, so that's I think fair. overall, I think I, I think I just dislike the supporting characters in sudden impact that's, that's more fair. than I dislike the villains in Enforcer.
0: That's fair, and you know, I think. Um, in fact, where was our where was our dude who was in the other four?
1: He wasn't in this one. He was. This is the only film that he did not. <gasps> That's appear shocking. For.
0: I, I think yeah. his character in three was my favorite. Of his characters, to be fair, mm-hmm. though, if I'm giving three a, you know, a, a positive, oh, yeah. uh, but great. I might, I might say, sudden impact. Just overall, as a film, I think is more full than three was. So I'm going to put. So the only thing I'm changing for you is I am putting sudden impact slightly above the enforcer, but honestly, like, there's a big gap between Dirty Harry and Magnum Force, and then there's another sort of reasonable gap between Magnum Force and Deadpool. But then the other two are like right next to it, honestly. Over yeah. like those three, I think could, you could interchange depending on your taste. Yeah, quite easily. But they're all in that kind of five out of ten ish range, mm-hmm. depending. So, yep, yeah. So there you go. That that is uh, us coming to an end of our first uh, theme, our first season, which is Dirty Harry. Our next season, since we're getting into Christmas time, uh, is going to be the Santa Claus <laughs> trilogy. Yes. Starring Tim Allen, and the bonus episode in Patreon is going to be Christmas with the Cranks. So, look forward to that mm-hmm. in the next coming weeks. But, uh, we'll be here next week with our first uh, film in the Santa Claus trilogy, uh, which mm-hmm. is the only one of the series that I've seen before, uh, when I was a kid. So, we'll uh, see if it stands it? up, we'll find out, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's what's coming next time. Uh, Obviously I'll say my usual spiel here. Thank you very much for watching or listening. We appreciate it. You can of course support all the content by hitting the super thanks button on YouTube or of course you know, over to patreon.com slash mailfuzz TV and support us on a regular basis. You do get a bonus episode every month uh at any tier, $3 and up. So go and have a look at that. And you get bonuses for the other shows that we have on male Fuzz Movies, the horror movie podcast screams after midnight, or the science fiction movie podcast, the Atomic Cinema Experiment. You can find me on those shows with other co-hosts uh talking about those movies. So if you haven't checked those out and you found this one first. Uh, go and have a look maybe you're into them um, but uh, otherwise though you can support us for free by simply commenting letting us you know uh, letting us know what you think of the movie uh, sharing us out on Twitter and things like that other social media places you can get us on Twitter at streams midnight for the male fuzz movies Twitter yep. uh, but otherwise uh, that is uh, that is pretty much us so yeah. Um, yeah thank you very much for joining us oh I'll thank the Patreon producers I always forget yes. to, to do that part Uh, thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios Boredow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman and Alison M Fordyce Uh, they are some of our higher tiered patrons thank you very kindly but thank you to everyone who does support the show uh, and hopefully you've had fun with this Dirty Harry saga and we'll be starting with a shorter Christmas (laughs) saga uh, next week Um, and then following the Christmas saga whatever won the first Patreon vote for a theme uh, will be after that we don't know what that winner is yet but uh it will definitely be public by the time this goes out because yep. the votes already over by the time this goes out but uh yeah so that's the show that's the collection cup
1: uh so so we're five episodes in do you finally have an ending phrase ready uh
0: no <laughs> so Fair i enough. will just say keep watching movies and uh This has been swell.